As driven, ambitious Christian entrepreneurs, how do we grow our business in a way that honors Christ? From seeking Him first in all of our business dealings, being surrendered to His will, and knowing exactly where and how we can make an impact through our business for the furtherance of His kingdom. Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, and these are just some of the topics my guest and I will be discussing in the hope that we may inspire and empower you to walk strongly in your faith so you can build a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Let's dive in. And welcome to another episode. So my guest today says, as Christians in business, our mission is to do well for ourselves by doing good for others. Doing well by doing good. It's that simple. Joining me on today's show is Brett Harris. Brett is the best-selling author of Do Hard Things. He's also the co-founder of the Author Conservatory. He's a personal mentor and a coach to many of the world's top young writers and authors. And his mission is to raise up the next C.S. Lewis and J.A.R.R. Tolkien. The Author Conservatory is a three-year college alternative program for students who are interested in pursuing writing as a career. Students are personally mentored by award-winning authors, professional editors, and successful entrepreneurs. And so on today's show, Brett is going to share how creatives, which includes writers, artists, musicians, and so on, how they can benefit from learning entrepreneurship and starting their own business. He's going to talk about the value of practicing entrepreneurship while you're young, not waiting until you're older or more experienced to get started, as well as how to value what you've created and not undervalue yourself or underprice the products and services you sell, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Brett. Oh, Henry, thank you so much for having me. And I just am so in love with what you're doing with the Christian Entrepreneurs podcast and the mission of, yeah, honoring Christ in everything we do as, as entrepreneurs. Oh, look, you're you're so welcome and thank you for coming and sharing the platform and your insights, which uh, I know is going to be just so beneficial. You know, in the introduction, we talked about how do we bring, you know, and live out the kingdom. And I think that is a topic that we could uh, gather so many Christians around and learn from because I think many of us have only just understood a small, small portion of, you know, what it means to uh to to not only live the kingdom but um show that to others in our you know day-to-day uh, operations particularly in business tell me why are you so passionate about the creative space is that something that you've had from a a, a youngster yourself or what is it about that industry that you really enjoy working in yeah well i was I was uh, blessed to to grow up in a family that loved books and loved reading. We didn't own a television. We were homeschooled. We had a bookshelf in every room in the house except the bathroom, but that didn't keep books out of the bathroom. <laughs> and we we just we read so much. I just remember at probably 12, 13 years old feeling like I've run out of books. You know, like I've run out of books that are the kind of inspiring read that I'm looking for, that my parents would be comfortable with me reading. Like it, it really felt like, oh no, I thought it was this never ending well of, of great stories to read. And, and now I feel like I'm pulling up buckets of gravel and dirt and mud from the bottom of the well. And I've, I've seen so many other 
readers go through that at some point in their life of feeling like we need more storytellers. And I think we all know this, you know, that we need more books, more novels, more television shows and movies that truly uh, call out what's best in us and inspire us and motivate us. And, um, and so I grew up in that environment, loving stories. And then as a young adult with my twin brother, uh, we published our first book, which is nonfiction, motivational, inspirational message for teenagers called Do Hard Things, A Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations. And it sold so well. Um, it's currently at over 600,000 copies sold uh, wow. that we had all of these young people approaching us saying, I want to be an author. I want to be a writer. How did you do it? Can you help me? And that was really the seed behind why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Wow, that is such a wonderful story. And I can see now where you are encouraging others to pursue uh, and, and practice entrepreneurship because so often when you talk and, and share stories and, and hear stories about how people get started, you you hear that, oh my goodness, that is amazing. And I'm sure when you published the book, you had no idea how far it would go, how many lives that it would impact. And that in, in and of itself, I'm sure, must just be wonderful to know that through penning your story, um, you've been able to empower so many others. Yeah, yeah. And if, if I could even share a little more personally um, how entrepreneurship has changed my life, it, it really started with my getting married to my best friend, Anna. This is back in 2012. Yeah, we were we were young. We're still young, but most people can't believe we've been married, you know, over eleven years now. And yet, a few months after after we were married, she was bedbound, um, just unexplained sudden illness, um, taking her to doctors, specialists, trying to figure out what was going on, and um, ended up she ended up being bedbound for the first five years of our marriage uh, until we were able to figure out what was going on. And there's been a Thank the Lord, a gradual and almost complete recovery since then. But, you know, entrepreneurship entered my story as a young husband who had quite a bit of savings from writing a best-selling book, but who needed a way to be providing for his family and being a full-time caregiver. And so I think for a lot of people listening, or maybe who are considering entrepreneurship, there may be something in your personal life where you need the flexibility, the freedom, there's something that entrepreneurship could, could provide for you that you couldn't find in a conventional job. I couldn't have a conventional job and take care of my wife at the same time. And so, so the combination of, hey, I've written a book, people come to me for this, I'm good at helping them, I've been doing that on the side, and now my wife is sick, I'm a full-time caregiver, how do I support us in a flexible way? Um, yeah. was really the genesis of, of my journey into entrepreneurship. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. I mean, when you think about um, the biblical times and how the communities ran, they may not have necessarily called it entrepreneurship, but I would. they didn't have those big corporates where thousands of people went and, and worked, you know, just for one particular person. And we can look back at how societies and how communities ran. Each had their own gifts and talents and skills. And, 
and, and we're able to contribute to the entire community because of that. And so what I love about what you're saying is there may be some gifts and t- talents and knowledge that you have that someone else doesn't have and that someone else needs. And so by sharing that, you can, as you say, contribute, empower others as well. So let's talk about entrepreneurship what does that mean for you i mean we've given we've been given a, a snapshot of that but if you were to define that for someone who was considering entrepreneurship what would that be and what are some things that they can start doing to move down the pathway of entrepreneurship for their career let's go back what is entrepreneurship give it a definition yeah um i would i would define entrepreneurship as creating something of value valuing what you've created and then exchanging that value with other people for money. That would be a simple definition. Yeah. And there's something in that that may trigger some people because there is a value and there's an exchange of money. And so that is really important because we could do a whole show on money. And I know that you want to speak into that under pricing and under devaluing ourselves because unfortunately, sometimes in the circle of Christians, the topic of money is a bit taboo, isn't it? And um, look, you know, as long as you're not driven only by that. I mean, you know, um, we often um, misinterpret uh, that Bible verse, whereas, you know, it's the love of money, not money itself. Money is an innate object, isn't it? That is used in in an exchange of talent, expertise, services, products. Share a bit more about that. I can see you're bursting. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I know. Even since you were talking about biblical times and how they didn't have, they might have not certainly have used the word entrepreneurship, but that they were engaged in, you know, family business, you know, everyone was in a family business. Um, and the verse that I thought of, which usually is very surprising to people, it's in the Bible, you can look it up in Proverbs. I don't remember the exact reference, but I can quote it to you. So it says, the people curse him who hoards grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Wow. That's in the Bible. Yes. And, and we're not just the word sells. Yes. That well, so you would think, yeah, we would think, you know, okay, hoarding is bad. I have something valuable and I'm just keeping it all to myself. We know that's bad. The solution is to give it away for free. And that's not what it says. It says a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. And I can't tell you, how many times in my entrepreneurial career I have had people literally use the words of bless you for what you have done in my life, for my child, for our family. And they paid me, you know, they mm-hmm. paid me and they're blessing me and I'm blessed and I'm providing for my wife and my family, you know, and I'm providing for my employees and I'm employing other people and I'm giving money away to my church and to causes and supporting people in need. It's a win-win-win situation. And so to think that exchanging that that value for money is somehow taking advantage of someone, I think that that proverb right there just shoots that down. And even back in biblical times, the blessing was on those who have something of value and sell it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we could do a whole topic on that alone because I know that we, we challenge many paradigms which, you know, are just not biblical. And as you say, when you are blessed through the exchange of that and are charging for the value, you're able then to expand um, what you what you support. You're able to provide for your family. You're also able to provide to, to some of those organisations that may uh, be not-for-profits and, and so forth. But, um, yeah... I, I, I'm so pleased that you share that because it's important. We can start our own entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurial venture, but we have to uh, be able to charge, pay our bills, have a profit, be able to fund, you know, and, and our families and so forth uh, and still be operational. Otherwise, the venture will not be able to continue and you won't be able to bless others with you know, you'll be hoarding and, and and storing away all of those gifts and talents. Okay, so we've touched on that. Good. Let's talk about what are some steps, what are some things to consider someone who may be thinking, you know what, Brett, I, I like where this is going. I like your conversation. What's next? What do I need to consider next when it comes to uh, entrepreneurship and starting your own business? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the biggest um, thing I would say to people is that starting your own business needs to be a tool in your toolbox. It's not always the right thing. It's not for everyone or for every season. But what shocks me is how much this has been lost as an option, as a viable option in our society, to the point where during the COVID pandemic, I read news articles, front page news articles about all the young people who are graduating from college and university, and they're not able to find a job. And, and they're interviewing these, these young people who, you know, they've applied to 500 jobs, you know, all these, all of this um, effort they're putting in trying to find a way to make some money, provide for themselves. Mm -hmm. And the, the articles are talking as if finding a job is the only way to make money, the only way to provide for yourself, to have a future. And entrepreneurship, starting your own venture, taking the skills and knowledge that you've gained through your education or through personal experience and directly finding the people who need what you have and have a problem that you can solve and, and blessing them by selling that solution to them and solving their problems while also providing for your needs, like that was just not on the table. And so mm -hmm. I, I want to encourage people you know, to see this as an option to understand this and to pursue the skill sets that put it in your life toolbox. Because if it's not in your toolbox, you really, um, you can, again, find yourself in situations like I was, where I'm newly married, my bride is now bed bound, wheelchair bound, we have, we're bleeding money on medical expenses. And if I didn't have the option to start my own business and make money through in a way that was compatible with my obligation to my wife, I don't know where we'd be. I don't know mm -hmm. where our marriage would be. I don't know if we could have pulled it off. And I don't know if Anna would still be here. And so just, you know, having that, those, those options, I think is so important. And it's just, you know, it's just should be right up along there with a job and a career and, and starting your own business and in different seasons, one or the other may make the most sense for you. So I just, I just would encourage people be learning about this because if you just cut off that whole branch of options to provide, to, to create a life, to design a life that's healthy for you and your family, mm. you're going to have to make 
choices or you're going to be forced into positions that are not healthy, not sustainable, but you just don't have any other way to pay yes. the bills. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're sharing this message because, you know, um, years ago I was in the career industry and one of the terms we use, I'm not sure if they still use this term, but it certainly was used back then, um, was called a portfolio career. And a portfolio career was exactly that. It was a portfolio. It wasn't just one role, but multiple roles. And one of those roles that you were doing may have been, now they call it a side hustle, don't they? There's all of these fans fancy terms, but it is something that you've created that you're very much driven from your own steam, if you will. It's not working for someone else, but you are bringing something of value and exchanging that, you know, um, for, for income selling it. And I love that you're saying too, and we can talk about this, the value of practicing that even while you're young. And as you know, for those of us who have children or even grandchildren, I think there is a real blessing if we sow into our youngsters at a very young age, um, the ability to think entrepreneurial, you know, in, in, a, in that sense. I remember when I was younger, my parents didn't believe in pocket money. And so if I wanted something, I had to earn earn it, you know. And so when we moved to a farm, um, I, I had multiple streams of income by the time I was 15. I was picking up horse manure, selling it, you know, horse manure from the horse that my, my parents did uh, buy the horse. I do think I pay, had to pay them back. So, you know, there was that. And then we got chicken feed. So we had mixed and that was $1.20. So there was a lot of different things, babysitting and house cleaning and, and so forth. And it really taught me the value of entrepreneurship. I always remember my dad saying, how many bags of poo do you have out the front? And I said, oh, one. He said, you do know that when you have multiple, it's more noticeable and people, oh, you know. And so just these little lessons and and uh, it really held me in, in good stead. So mm. these are the things that we can sow into our youngsters' lives, can't we? To, yeah. To well, and and then here, here you are today and, you know, that was part of that foundation for the rest of your life. And I think one of the things I would I would highlight for parents in introducing entrepreneurship to to your kids is it's it's not just preparing them to start their own business and make a living that way, but it's also making them more uh attractive to employers because business owners, you know, heads of organizations, leaders in any industry are looking for people who have an entrepreneurial spirit who are willing to take initiative, who are willing to see opportunities, who are able to be more than just, you know, hands doing the work, but able to be a brain, seeing opportunity, seeing needs, seeing problems and finding solutions. And that's all entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship teaches young people and all of us how to see the world as full of opportunity, how to see problems as an opportunity to do well for yourself by doing good for others. And, you know, and you, when you have someone who's learned that, you know, house cleaning, pet sitting, you know, shoveling poo, whatever it is, you know, when they've learned that, even if they never start their own business venture as an adult, which again, there might be a season where that's what they need to do to help their family out, to get out of a pickle, to just have more options. But even if they never do, I really believe these are portable skills that are going to help young people be more successful for the rest of their lives. And certainly, Certainly, I think we're seeing a shift in higher education where the kind of perfect, um, looking perfect on paper, you've done all the extracurricular activities, you have the good grades, 
that's not good enough anymore. They actually want to see that you've done something real, you know, it's in the in the real world, you know. And so the accomplishments of starting a business, growing a business, learning these skills, you know, this could be a, a source for merit scholarships, find, you know, additional financial support to go to school, um, getting into certain schools that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to get into. So I just I think that overall the value of entrepreneurial skills separate from just starting a business and being an entrepreneur, I don't think it's ever been higher. And I think more and more business owners, employers are seeing that as well. Yeah, so true. Uh, I remember interviewing someone who supported uh, individuals who were very entrepreneurial but wanted to do that within a, a corporate, within a not necessarily their own business, but within an, an, an environment where they could really um, continue to evolve and, and continue to shape and problem solve. And they call it entrepreneurship. And so oh. if you've got an entrepreneur as part of your business, Business, they'll probably shake things up because entrepreneurs are, why are we doing it this way? I mean, you've got a problem, let's change it. Let's always advance. What are ways that we can shorten, you know, all of those different things. And so if you've got an entrepreneur in your organization, I mean, value them because um, they can really continue to come up with innovative ideas that you may never, your business may never have, um, yeah, stumbled across had that not been for someone who was always looking for better ways of doing things and optimising and so forth, So, which is wonderful. So what then uh, would you say, looking back in your life, um, because you, you wrote your book, it was almost like the accidental entrepreneur, but do you, looking back at um, the homeschooling and just the way in which your parents and, and family members interacted with you, can you see that there were certain seeds that were sown in your life um, that led you down the path kind of, of entrepreneurship? Can you recall some of those things? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, my my parents were very entrepreneurial. My my dad started um, his own company as a as a young father and husband, uh, a terrarium shop in in Dayton, Ohio. And this was uh, this he lost his job. He was working. He was engaged to marry my mom and was laid off by the factory during the the oil embargo that happened at that time and then needed a way to provide for his new wife. Again, similar to my story um, and and really felt God lead him to take a skill that he developed as a teenager planting terrarium. So this is plants inside of glass cases, sealed containers where it recycles the the water recycles the carbon dioxide, produces new oxygen. It's its own self-contained ecosystem. And you can have beautiful tropical plants live for years, decades even, you know, with minimal care inside a, a terrarium. And he'd learned how to do this as a teenager and realized, well, maybe I could turn this into a business. And so it was actually that terrarium shop that put him through Bible college and two other guys um, supported my my him and my mom and my oldest brother uh, during the early years of their their life together, and then you know eventually he became a pioneer in the homeschooling movement in the United States and uh, around the world and started his own organization for that. Helped found a lot of the state homeschool organizations here in the United States, and you know just and then started a church. You know, like my dad is an entrepreneurial person not just in the sense of, you know, a church is not a business, but he 
he saw a need for a certain type of church, you know, that didn't exist in our community. And so he started it. And I think that's, that's really the entrepreneurial spirit. You see a problem, you see a need. And instead of waiting around for someone else to take care of it, you know, you come up with a solution where you, you know, where you serve others and, and again, support your yourself through the process as well. So he is, he has been doing that my whole life. That was my, that was my example. And so it was very natural. And then of course there were, there were little things, you know, he had us start little ventures, try little things as kids. And so there was always uh, exposure to that. I think I was very blessed to, from a very young age, know this is, this is a way to do it. And, and being a person who starts your own thing rather than just mm -hmm. waiting around for someone else to do it uh, is a good and, and admirable quality. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, how wonderful that you had uh, a father um, to be able to nurture you in that that way. You know, there's such, there is a real value in homeschooling now, especially when you see where the schooling system, and I'm, I'm sure in the US as, as well, um, here in Australia, I know um, people that are going, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do homeschooling because there's just, yeah. So anyway, that that's a whole other topic. But as you're saying, the, the rich and depth lessons that you can learn and have hands on. I mean, if you think of some of the little entrepreneurial ventures, I mean, some children uh, are um, mowing lawns or doing odd jobs around the place, just things like that, because there is a need in your community. But you particularly love working with creators, so musicians and artists and, and writers. And when we look at the tools and technology that are available to us now, I mean, if we've got an idea and we can put that together, the tools and technology that we have now, we can create our own TV studios. We can share, you know, our, our message around the world almost instantaneously with the technology. What would you say to a writer or an artist or a musician or some creative um, who's thinking, really, would someone be interested in, in learning what I have learned and, and, you know, the skills and gifts that I have? What would you say? What would you speak into their lives now to encourage them? Yeah, I mean, I would say, first of all, yes, <laughs> there are other people who want to learn what you've learned and can benefit from what you know. And I think it's so easy to compare ourselves to others, people who are so much more experienced than me, so much more credentialed than me, and and forget that, um, you know, I actually remember working with one of our students in the author conservatory, a girl named Hannah, and she wanted to start a music studio teaching piano in her in her area. And part of our training for them is market research. You know, look up who else is doing this in your area, look at their pricing, look at their best practices. And so she was doing this and she came back and she was feeling very discouraged because she found, you know, a lady who'd been teaching for 40 years. You know, uh, she found a lady who had, you know, degrees from Juilliard, like top music school. I mean, just credentials uh, uh, out the roof, right? And, and she just felt, how do I, as a young, you know, 19 year old, how do I compete with that? How could I charge anywhere close to what the person who's been doing it for 40 years is charging or the person with, with the, the, you know, incredible credentials is charging. And so we had to have that conversation about, well, what unique value do you bring to the table? You know, what is it that, what is unique about your story with piano? And she realized, well, my story is I learned classical piano, but I also learned how to play chords for worship and to play popular songs and to, you know, be part of a musical group. And so I really yes. can kind of bring both of those things to the table. 
I said, well, let's think about that. Do you think that in your community that even 5% of the young people whose parents want them to learn piano might might find a young, fun teacher who can not only teach them classical foundations, but also teach them to play their favorite songs, play for family worship, play, you know, play at church, play with their friends in a band. Do you think even 5% of those young people might find you an attractive option, just as valuable or more valuable than working with the, you know, the person who's been doing it for 40 years or the person mm -hmm. from Juilliard? And she was like, oh yeah. I mean, now that I see it that way. Absolutely. And so she had, she was wanting to charge a lot less than these other people and out, out of seeing the value of what she had, she charged the same. She, she put the same price mm -hmm. and sold out all her spots in the first week. Fantastic. And, and that's the kind of life-changing lesson that entrepreneurship provides us where we get to see the value of what God has given us and our story and our experience and our knowledge and when, and when we're able to exchange that for money and have mm -hmm. people thanking us for the opportunity to pay us to learn what we know or what we've learned, um, I think it does something very deep in our hearts. Um, and it should lead us to gratitude to the Lord. It should lead us to be even more thankful to him. And so, you know, for any creator out there, I would say, you know, think of Hannah, my student, think mm -hmm. of how she undervalued herself and then know that you're probably doing the same thing to yourself. Um, you just need to see what's my unique story and who, who could I particularly help? You don't need to appeal to 100% of the marketplace. You couldn't serve 100% of the marketplace. If you could be the perfect option for 1% or 2%, you could have a very successful business for decades to come. Yeah, I love that story. Uh, how can people find out more uh, about uh, the work that you do in the Author Conservatory? What's the best way to connect with you, Brett? Yeah, well, our two programs are the Young Writers Workshop and the Author Conservatory. You can go to theyoungwriter.com for our high school writing program or authorconservatory.com for our rigorous three-year college alternative program. And, and our mission is to raise up the next C.S. Lewis or J.R.R. Tolkien uh, by providing not just training in the writing craft and the publishing industry, but also the business and entrepreneurial skills you need to avoid being a starving artist. So we have a no starving artist policy, and uh, we, we love to work with young writers who want to make it financially sustainable. Yeah, we had a comment here. I want to share Dr. Zonzi McLaurin. Thank you. When we use our gifts and talents that God has given us to serve others, it is so fulfilling. Absolutely. And you know what this reminds me of, um, the Bible verse. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Doctor, um, is that Bible verse that goes, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And often then we realize that when we our focus is, is very much on the Lord and glorifying him and all that we do, He's actually planted a lot of those desires in our hearts anyway. He's given us those gifts and talents. And this is a, a way that we can serve others with the gifts and talents he's given us while glorifying him. Uh, and it's a win, 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 win. That's how we were all created, wasn't it, to do that. Glorify Lord in all, in all that we do. And the desires in our heart often do tap into our gifts and talents because that saying, um, I don't think it was from the Bible, but uh, I, I think it just really... Uh, 
aligned with you're created to do and be something um, from your creator. And when you are doing that, and for some of you, it is writing, for some of you, it is speaking, for some of you, it is teaching. You never feel like you're working a day in your life because it is something that is quite natural to you. You enjoy it and it is fulfilling. It is a blessing to be able to bless others through leveraging your gifts and talents. So um, amazing, amazing. Brett, I I always like to finish uh, this particular show uh, with a prayer. May we do that today? Absolutely. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to have fellowship with Brett today while share uh, uh, such an important message today. Uh, It's always been important, Lord, but even more so now when we look at uh, there's businesses that are closing and, you know, when we often we get distracted by the doom and gloom of of mainstream media, we realise that as Christians we do not work to a worldly, um, you know, economy. We work on a kingdom economy and that kingdom comedy continues to expand and expand and expand because there are no barriers that restrict you father and you know that in every heart in every um, person you have got gifts and talents that can bless others so we just pray for the young and and maybe even the not so young who have even contemplated um, starting up their own business their own entrepreneurship uh, venture that they will be inspired and empowered and um, yeah, and and really find a pathway that they can bless others through the gifts and talents that you've blessed them with. Father, we just continue to hold Brett and his co-partner in the business that they're doing and the the clients that they're working. May you continue to bless the work and the message so that that continues to get out into the many, many, many ears and eyes uh, and bless others because, as we know, we do not focus on what's going on in the world but rather what you say and uh, your kingdom economy, which, as we said, continues to expand no matter what is going on in the world. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for uh, Jesus uh, who says, you know, keep looking at me, your redemption is near and that is what we do and we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. As I said, we don't have to worry about the world economy because that is not the economy we operate on. We we operate on an entirely different economy and nothing can touch that economy. So um, wonderful. And I do encourage everyone who is uh, listening to this or even the recording, reach out to Brett uh, and uh, what what he's doing because that is so important. important. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. This was such a joy. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why. I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.